Welcome to Home But Not Alone with Tim and Sarah, where we talk about real life as a stay-at-home Catholic parent. If it's noon and you're still in your pajamas, have reheated your coffee three times, and tried to pray but got distracted, this is the place for you. Life is crazy, but through it all, remember, you're never alone. You've got God's grace and our friendship coming your way. Today on Hope But Not Alone, we're going to chat about Lent, the time when we give up chocolate or whatever it's really about. We have some ideas to help you practice Lent as a busy parent and to enter into Lent as a family and just to understand what Lent really is about. Hey, Tim. Sarah, how are you? Ah, doing okay. I have a bit of a headache today, but I'm sipping on my hot water with lemon in it, so hopefully that'll help. Ooh, fancy. I'm looking at this thing right now. My mom gave me this. So I was born in 1985, and she found this thing. It's Pages of Time, a nostalgia news report. And it's got all that, you know, stuff people are like, what was life like 100 years ago? Except it makes you feel old, because now you're old enough to have something like that. And it says prices of things like the, uh, where is it, loaf of bread, 96 cents. I bought a loaf of bread from Aldi the other day for like 70-something cents. Okay, so apparently Aldi in the 2020s is cheaper than, well, wherever else in the 1980s. So apparently we're living the good life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not interesting information to anyone but me. Well, um... Ooh, an ad for Jazzercise. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness, those are some short Those short are the days, Jazzercise. <laughs> oh man, the hottest I think my mom used to do Jazzercise when I was a kid. Well, of course she did. It was the 80s and 90s, yeah. whatever. Everybody That's... had to do Jazzercise. Did you know that scrunchies are back? They're back? Well, as a bald man whose oldest child is three, no, I did not know that. Well, I mean, I guess Good. you don't need a scrunchie, but I maybe certainly don't. your daughter will need a scrunchie. Are All the girls are wearing scrunchies. Back? I want... I want jellies to be a thing again. What's a jelly? Oh, jellies are super comfortable girl shoes that if you get a rock in them, it makes your foot feel like it's being stabbed to death. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're shoes that were really popular in the 90s. So but only for girls, not for boys. Only for girls. But, you know, instead of being like, let's wear high heels or, or pumps or lifts or wedges or... My gosh, all of all of your shoes sound delicious. That's like you, you could serve them with crackers. They sound good. Like, I don't know. I <laughs> they're not very like, comfortable, though. I'm sure they're not. Replace them with jellies. Problem solved. See? Good idea. I'll advocate for that. <laughs> oh, look up jellies. Just Google jellies shoes at some point or whatever. And you'll you'll find out. I'll <laughs> try to remember to do that. <laughs> oh. All right. Let's talk about Lent. Yes. Lent. So you're the history guy. I am. Do you know anything about like Lent in history? I don't know a lot. And I went to do some research because I realized I don't know a lot. And there were so many big churchy words that I couldn't pronounce. And they were like from the 300s and they were in Greek. And I was like, I oh. don't know what any of this means. And then I turned to my catechetical dictionary and I was like, what's it say about Lent? And it's like, like Lent is a season, see season of Lent. And I was like, what? Okay, so I went to that. And okay. they're like, it's those 40 days before Easter. I'm like, this is not helpful at all. This is not even remotely helpful. Right, knew um, that. Yeah. And I used to have a book called Catholicism for Dummies, and I loved that book. It was really right up my alley. And I can't find it. And I'm worried that I lost it for good or left it at an old ministry job or something. But, but no, there's some things I did figure out. Like ever since the Council of Nicaea in like 325, I think it was, 
and the, the legalization of Christianity under Constantine, Lent has become a, a very important part of the church. Like it, it was always practiced or long since practiced even before that. But but then it became a, a more public thing as it is today. And uh, I know that there are a lot of things that change throughout uh, the centuries. Like it's, it's always been a Lent has always been a season of sacrifice, purification, all that stuff. You know, it always precedes Easter. But apparently there were things like at one point people were required to fast from all dairy and oh, wow. they were required. To, yeah, I know. And so it was like meat and dairy and other things. And so like for nowadays, all of Lent? yes, I think maybe not. I don't know. I thought no, so. I, I think that the fasting used to be like much more than it is uh, yes. now anyways. Well, yeah. And the, uh, so I don't know. I totally, I couldn't really get my head around this, but it was saying something about like, okay, nowadays we're like Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday or yeah, right. what, what's the, the other name for Tuesday it starts with an S doesn't matter. Um, no. There's all these names for that. And we, we like, let's eat a bunch of food on Tuesday. Apparently it used to be pancakes and blessed eggs. And that's where Easter eggs come from. That's huh. where, that's the origin of Easter eggs. I Oh yeah. Didn't... Yeah. And I think I heard that the pancakes thing was about using up, like, like you said, like your dairy and your fat and whatever, cause you weren't allowed to have that all of Lent. So that oh, makes sense. Oh my gosh. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, also in the, in the 1600s, a group of monks in France allowed puffins to be considered fish since the <laughs> natural habitat was as much about, uh, well, it was both the water and the land and they were all over. So the bird was eaten on Fridays as, <laughs> as fish. Oh my um, goodness. And then, and this is my favorite thing. I, I always want to eat animals that I probably shouldn't. Like, I think a, 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 just a giraffe. Well, I want to know what giraffe Aww, tastes like. Why would you want to eat a giraffe? They're so mean. I go to the zoo and they look at me like, when I get out of here, I'm coming for you. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. I'm just walking around and it's cold. Why am I at a zoo in the, in the winter? And then I, I seem to only go to zoos when it's cold out. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because I'm 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 a dad, and if I go when it's busy, I'm gonna walk in, put my hands on my hips, look around on a busy day, and go, "Wow, this is, this place is a zoo today," and then just walk out. <laughs> And oh boy! I've always wanted to do that. anyway. So I found this, I found this letter. Uh, was a parishioner wrote to the Archbishop of the New Orleans Archdiocese in 2010, and the Archbishop wrote back stating that yes, you can eat alligator because it is a beast and is considered part of the fish family, and therefore can be eaten on Fridays. And I think it was 2013, the USCCB, the United States Catholic Conference of Catholic Bishops, um, they supported the archbishop's ruling. So we can, at least in the United States, eat alligator <laughs> on Fridays in Lent. So, uh, oh, why would you want to, though? Uh, uh, I don't know. Why would I want to eat a giraffe? I just do. It's, I think it's my so husband has eaten alligator. Has he? Okay. I don't know if that. on a Friday during Lent, but well, I think he's... <laughs> There's there's a, a parish in the St. Louis Archdiocese here. I know they, gosh, what? Oh, they're really well known for their crab legs on Fridays in the land. I are not crab oh. legs, frog legs, crab legs, frog legs. I won't eat them. But my mom has non-Catholic friends who will go to fish fries just for the frog legs. Oh my goodness! And I'm like, I I'm gonna go eat the fish. That's what I'm gonna. 
But anyway, so. Okay, so the church still requires fasting sometimes during Lent, but not all Lent. Yes. So fasting on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, and then abstinence, so no meat except for alligator, I guess, and fish. (laughs) (laughs) On those days, plus all the Fridays of Lent. And so it's, I mean, that really doesn't seem too difficult so that's what we start there that's like our starting point right now that dairy's allowed because i don't now know what people did right. before grilled cheese and mac and cheese and cheese right. pizza that's that's right. the standard yeah i don't, I don't know but these aren't required for young kids like these are for adult you know older kids and adults but i think it's good to help our kids understand that you know lent is still a season of penance and sacrifice and help them enter into that i mean your kids are still pretty young do you have any lent traditions that you do with them yet the only one we really do excuse me is we we do take our kids to fish fries because i was actually talking to my wife about this uh just last night actually since we were going to talk about it here and she said now that's really all we do so far and i thought about it well last lent my oldest child was still two years old right and it's really hard to be like hey two-year-old let me start to teach you about sacrifice in a way that you can understand that's not like a punishment right (laughs) yes now obviously even at two three four years old we have to we, we should be teaching them okay you have to share you have to wait your turn you have to do these things but it's really difficult for them to understand in the greater scheme at that point so this year she's three we might try a little something if not maybe next year but um yeah we we uh i mean we enjoy the food and the community and things like that we try to go to reconciliation once a month, so we end up going during Lent, which we're all supposed to do anyway. Um, the church requires us to go minimum once a year, and that once a year is supposed to at least be during Lent. A lot of people don't realize that, is that we are supposed to go to reconciliation during Lent. Um, and uh, they do advise at least once a month, though. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. John Paul II went once a week. And uh, I know John Paul II, so I should be going to confession regularly. Yeah, right, um, right. But, uh, yeah, so we for, we do take our kids sometimes into the confessional with us, um, which I love doing. And uh, for some bizarre reason, I, I really enjoy that. And one time I got halfway through my act of contrition and I forgot what the next line was, even though I've said it a thousand times, because I had a child climbing over my head and I was trying to hold the child. And sometimes I do the behind the screen. Sometimes I do face to face. Well, that time I was face to face because when I bring a kid in there, I want the priest to know I got this one. This is what you're wrestling with, right? (laughs) This is not a uh, this is not something where I'm struggling to pay attention to you because I don't care. Right. I'm literally right. living out my vocation right now right. Yeah. and deal with it. And so, uh, yeah, well, but you have more experience with kids during the season of life. What have you done with your kids? Um, yeah, so I'll throw a lot of ideas. It might sound like a lot, but it, we didn't start all of this at once. So keep that in mind that this is not like, you know, everything we do all at once. So we take them to all the services, like the Ash Wednesday services, you know, Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday. Some of them are really long, but we do bring them because I think it's important that they're connected with those and they see everything that happens, like get the ashes on their heads. They don't really, my kids don't really like that. They wipe them off, (laughs) but at least they see it and we can talk about it. Um, We take them to the stations of the cross 
um, we don't necessarily go when our parish does it because a lot of times, you know, the parishes do it in the evening, but we have our own books. So if we can't go in the evening or if we think the kids will be too crabby, I may just stop in a church and bring our own books and bring the kids and do the Stations of the Cross with them. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And they really like that, especially walk when they can walk around. They like it a lot better than like sitting in the pew and the priest is walking around like they want to walk around to each station and see Jesus. So, yeah. yeah so if if you haven't done Stations of the Cross before with your kids because it's really hard at night, like keeping them in a pew and keeping them quiet. Um, yeah, I would say take them. Try taking them during the day. And even if you don't use a book or something, just stop at each station and try that. I'll actually do that. I do that because my wife working weekends as a nurse, a lot of times I'm at mass with the kids by myself. Yeah. And in order to kind of, well, we get there a little early. We, I will walk them around and point out different stations of the cross yeah. to them. And we'll, we'll go through them and the, they're starting to get to know some of, well, the three-year-old is the one-year-old. He's just like, what's that? Oh, look, that's stained glass. Hey, that's colorful. If I push it, is it a button? I'm like, no, it's not a button. And then he looks at me like, where's food? I'm like, you're fat. Okay, move on. Anyway, for the record, I call my son fatty because the day he turned nine months, we had to jump him up into two T clothes. And uh, he will. He, he likes to have food in one hand, food in another hand, food in his mouth. And he likes to Aww. see that there is more food available. And he gets mad when those aren't available. Well, babies are supposed to be chubby, so... Yeah, well, he's not. He's just he's just nuts. Anyway, <laughs> you were you you were talking about these things. Oh, that's okay. So another thing we do, and this is one I really like, is we um we okay. So you know how we, the thing for Lent is like pick something to give up. I feel like that was always the thing when I was a kid. Like, what are you giving up for Lent? Oh. Um, and we haven't really done that with the kids so much because 40 days is a long time. And I don't even know if as a kid I ever gave up anything for 40 days. And mine are still young. I'm, they're eight and under. So instead of like trying to make them pick up one thing for give up one thing to, for the whole time, we have a little crown of thorns. It's like a little grapevine wreath, like a little plain wreath made out of grapevines or whatever. I don't know. It's artificial. And then um, I took a bunch of toothpicks and painted them brown and stuck them all in so it looks like the crown of thorns and then i encourage the kids to make frequent sacrifices um you know uniting their suffering and then every time they make a sacrifice they get to take a thorn out of the crown and so they want to make a lot of sacrifices so that the thorns don't hurt jesus in his crown of thorns and it's cute Yeah, and it's good because then they are looking for opportunities to make sacrifices instead of like just picking one thing and it's like, okay, now don't touch chocolate for the rest of Lent. Like just don't buy it, don't look at it. Um, I think it's more meaningful for them. And I don't know, they really enjoy it. Sometimes it's like they go through a week where they're really intense about it and then they go through a week where they basically forget it. Uh, But it's neat because then they try to have all the thorns out by Easter. And I know some people do something similar like with – beans like they put beans in a jar when they make a sacrifice and turn them to jelly beans in the end but i haven't i I tried to do that one once but then like we put our beans away for storage and the mice ate them so we didn't do it again (laughs) no i can see why you wouldn't repeat that one that's yeah yeah that one ended uh another thing we do is we have a box of books like i know people a lot of times have a box of books for um like advent and christmas but we also do that for lent and easter so we have a box of books that we take out during lent and easter that's only special like only for those times and they focus on you know like the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Most of the stories don't, like, 
they're not either Lent or Easter. Um, they don't just go through the crucifixion without talking about the resurrection, which is good. Um, but yeah, we we have a small like a growing collection of Lent and Easter books. Some cutesy things like I think there's something about an Easter garden or something as little animals. But a, a lot of them like with beautiful art and stuff that my kids love looking at. So we read those um, sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Does that sound interesting or no? <laughs> those are, well, those are all really good ideas that, because here's the thing. I'm, I'm bad at Lent. I'm, I'm so there, there are so many things. And I think part of it is because I was in youth ministry for six years, parish youth ministry. Yeah. And my big, my biggest event of the year, which was called a Luke 18 retreat, huge in uh, the St. Louis Archdiocese. Almost everybody does one. It's a retreat put on by high schoolers and young adults for either eighth graders or seventh and eighth graders, depending on your parish. And it is an enormous event. I always had that in Mm -hmm. March or April and largely not due to my own choosing, but, uh, you know, it was all kinds of chaos. So I've spent most of many years, most of the last many years focusing on retreat prep as opposed to, uh, well, actually living out the season of Lent. And that's one of those things I really want to do this year is I want to be better at living out Lent. And that's something that struck me in the last few Advents is how difficult it is to really get into the habit of that, to really right. get into the habit of living out the season. Um, and especially- Well, it's interesting that you say that, you know, like all your energy for Lent had gone into your your youth ministry. And I feel like that happens to me sometimes too. Like all my energy in Lent sometimes goes into Lent for the kids, like helping the kids figure this out, figuring out what I want to do with them, what I want to do for them, or, you know, any kind of liturgical living. Sometimes it's just like only focusing on what we're doing as a family or what we're doing with the kids. And we do need to like step back and foster our own spiritual life and make that important. It's hard as a parent because we're going in a million different directions. But um, I think we need to get that back maybe not let that go so um so other than like the required days of fasting and abstinence so are you going to try to do anything different like for or by yourself or or with your with your wife or something i think that's always helpful like bringing your spouse into it so you're gonna try anything new like this lent not necessarily just family and kids stuff yeah i i don't know yet we need to we need to talk about that still but what you know i think about you're talking about how our our efforts almost all seem to get directed toward the kids. And it's, it's almost like it gets in the way of us having a faith life as a parent. And I know we've talked about this before about how, well, actually we can live out our faith life through and alongside our children. Um, not through like, it, you know, through parenting, yeah. through living in our vocation, but it does feel like it gets in the way. And I remember before Jess and I were married, you know, we were we were living 15, 20 minutes apart from each other, whatever it is. I was a parish youth minister for four parishes. She was a full-time uh, high-risk OB nurse, and she was getting her master's degree in nursing education. And somehow we managed to find the time to get together and pray the rosary every single day or night. Wow. We did it. We did it yeah, I think once or twice we had to do it over the phone uh, because I was doing a retreat or something like that. Right. But we, we had, we managed to make that happen. That can't work in the same way with kids. Or I don't want to say it can't work. It's so much more challenging. It's harder, yeah. The nice thing is, is that as a married couple, we live together now. So that's that's right. beneficial. 
But like last year, I know we prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet together every night. And that was great because it was, you know, it's not that long. It was, it's a powerful prayer. It allowed for great reflection and it was something we were able to do together. And I actually mentioned that to my uncle last year, shortly after Lent ended. And he said that something about that's good, but his preference is always to really find something that uses or participates in every single day and give that up. And he said, the reason why he likes doing that is because, you know, let's say he gives up meat for all of Lent. Well, he goes to order his lunch. He immediately remembers, no, I can't have that. And that reminds him. Yes. And then that reminds him, that brings his mindset back to sacrifice to the cross to the resurrection and so every single day he has redirected his sacrifices redirecting him back to where we're supposed to be focusing which is god which is christ's passion and so i thought that was interesting and i also remember hearing about a, a priest who said he mentioned to one of his jewish friends that we get to choose what we give up and his jewish friend said no 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 then you'll go too easy on yourself so for the past who however many years his his non-Catholic, his non-Christian friend has been picking the things he gives up and picking the things he does for oh, him. Man. <laughs> so it really challenges him. So he doesn't, uh, you know, well, I'll give up this. And then he kind of, and the guy checks in and is like, hey, you've been doing this every day, right? Okay, good. Right, this is, right. you know, and I thought, wow, I don't, I have a lot of, I have some friends. I don't know if I have any friends who I'd want to trust with that because that would require more sacrifice than I'm often willing to make. So right. um, oh, man. I think that's hard, which is a really honest and good starting point for me to realize. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what that's interesting mean? how you remember, how you mentioned that you guys did the divine mercy chaplet every night and, and connected that with, you know, your friend or someone saying that you should really give up something every day. Um, so what my husband and I usually do is we take up, a prayer practice together. And like you said, like we usually do that in the evenings when we're both home together. So we've done in the past, like the liturgy of the hours or an extra decade of the rosary or examination of conscience and something like that. But we try to pick something that helps us grow closer to God together. I think our, our go-to is usually the liturgy of the hours at this point. And then we usually do this at bedtime, which actually ends up meaning that we often give up whatever show because we usually like watch a show before we go to bed or whatever. But putting sure. that prayer habit in there (laughs) putting that prayer habit in there kind of takes the place of that so even it's not like okay we're giving up our show it's like we picked something that is pretty much going to force that out anyways because it's we got to do it at that same time and we do sometimes like um we also try to give up personal sacrifices sometimes we like tell each other what we're doing and sometimes we don't um, my husband is usually better at picking these than I am. Like he's given up like sugar in his tea. And, uh, one thing he does that I really liked is he says, Oh, for Lent, I'll replace like all secular entertainment with religious entertainment. So like secular music with religious music or, or podcasts or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I've done different things throughout the years. That is, that, yeah, that's really good. The uh, now that now that's the, you've given me a lot of ideas for things I can do, and here's why I know I should do some of them is because my first reaction is I don't want to, right. and that tells me I should because when it's something that challenges you to grow in your faith, and your reaction is I don't want to, get over it and do it. You know, it's like if you only prayed when you wanted to pray, you'd almost never pray, or maybe never pray get over it, do it anyway. So you just, you have me thinking, which is good and dangerous, but. Well, it's good. Take it to prayer. (laughs) Oh yeah. 
<laughs> so no, earlier I mentioned, um, we both mentioned the Stations of the Cross and we yeah. were talking about that. I know that's very much associated with, with Lent and especially with Good Friday. And I've, I've come to really appreciate the Stations recently, especially, you know, they started for me as a distraction for my kids before Mass started. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm spending more time with them. So that's good. But it, it occurred to me just some recent things like in the first station, Christ is being condemned. And what if we approached our faith life and our time in Lent as if that's our first step? We are being condemned by the world. We have mm-hmm. sinned. We have done wrong. We, you know, are accepting the, fir- the, the first step toward heaven is accepting a path of being condemned, not condemned, you know, to hell, but to be condemned in that we have fallen in our sin- sinfulness and that we live in a fallen world and that we need to be rejected by this world and rejected yeah. ourselves. And, you know, because we often think of Christianity as being about happiness and good feelings, but you can't have the resurrection without the crucifixion. So you have to have a starting point of being crucified before you can get to the resurrection. Mm. And I just, I love this. So I'm, I'm thinking about this the other day. Immediately after Christ is condemned, he willingly shoulders the burden of his own cross. And m- most of us don't want to accept our cross. Let's just be honest. We don't. Right. Um, and then... And not even just shoulders it, but embraces it. Like, yes. I, a lot of times that station says it embraces the cross or, or takes it, up the cross. And that's really hard. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. And... <laughs> Then this is something that was one of my favorite things about the stations is that he picks up his cross and the very next station, boom, falls. Jesus Mm. falls the first time. And we all do that. We're like, okay, if we are willing, all right, I will take up this cross. I will give this up for Lent. I will do this new thing. I will grow in this way. And then boom, we fall. We mess up. We, We are unable to be successful right away. But Instead of accepting it as, as being a failure, we should just say, okay, I've, I've fallen and now I need to I need to get back up. And I love the fact that the very next one after that is he sees his mother. He sees the blessed mother. Oh, so how yeah. often when we fall, yeah. do we then, not, you know, turn to our blessed mother and yeah. help us, help us. You know, I'm not going to run through all the stations, but I, I think this is just a, a reminder that we need to push ourselves to go deeper and we'll we'll find things like this that really challenge us during this Lenten season. Yeah, I, that's like a really beautiful meditation because I do often get that sense that if I pick something, you know, one sacrifice for Lent, I'm just going to fail it. <laughs> and, and then I'll be failing Lent because, you know, it's hard to hit that balance of like, is it too easy or is it too hard or, or whatever? But oh. I, I want to share one thing that I, I thought of this one year when I had particularly thought that I had failed Lent. Like I had just totally given up on my sacrifice big time. And I was in prayer, Eucharistic adoration. And I was asking, I was just telling Jesus, man, I feel like I failed. And what do you want me to do from here? I don't know if I was like pregnant or, or breastfeeding, you know, or suffering from depression. It was something, it was like a really difficult season of my life. And I just felt that I couldn't do whatever it was I had on my mind that I was going to do for Lent. But I felt Jesus put this on my heart. Um, and I started doing this and it's, I, I shared it on my blog and it's, it's pretty popular. So, uh, but it's called the five minute sacrifice. And I think of it more like as giving up instant gratification. So in, I came out of that adoration instead of like going back to giving up one thing, 
I was like, all right, I'll give up every like little indulgence, every little, I don't know, like comfort food or whatever, but I'll give it up for five minutes at a time. And I'll intentionally say, okay, I'm offering this to you, Jesus. And I'm just going to walk away from it for a few minutes. And then, um, you know, if I forget about it, fine, I've completely given it up. But then if I want to go back to it after that five minutes or whatever, um, I would thank God for that gift and then have it. So like if I wanted to have my tea in the morning, I would give it up for five minutes and then I'd thank God for the gift of my tea. And it was really interesting because it changed a lot of things. Like, you know, I would drive past uh, Dunkin' Donuts or something, you know, you drive past the fast food and you're not turning to that instant gratification anymore. Or like those impulse buys at the grocery store or, or things oh, like that. Those are it, it was, yeah. It was crazy. Like it was, it was really life changing. And some people look at it they're like five minutes. That's, um, you know, it's a wimpy sacrifice, but for me, it was not yeah, really about like just a quick conscious sacrifice. awareness. Yeah, conscious yeah, awareness about of... making different sacrifices and making yes. my whole, you know, look having a spirit of sacrifice instead of just you know cutting one thing um, out of my life. So I don't know. That was something I like to share, especially if you get to that point. You know, if you do pick one thing to give up this Lent, and like that's good. But if you get to a point where you feel like I'm failing Lent, um, definitely. Look at the five-minute sacrifices on my blog, tojesusincerely.com. You just look up five-minute sacrifice and see if maybe God's calling you to that um, to kind of give up that instant gratification because Lent is not, sometimes I think of it as like, I got to prove myself with this heroic sacrifice and show God that I can stick with it for the next 40 days. And it's not about that, but it is about you know, making sacrifice and, and entering into the penance. Um, and just doesn't really have to fit in that little got to give up X for Lent box. So, you know, your sacrifice. And I think sometimes like when we share our sacrifices with others, it can be a pride thing. Like, oh, what are you giving up? And like, is it better than what I'm giving up? But your sacrifice or your personal fast can be between you and God. Same thing with you, the way your family observes Lent. It doesn't have to be like a competition or comparing or who's doing what. And um, so I would just say, take it to prayer and, you know, whatever it is God places on your heart, just go for that and prayerfully enter into it. That's my Lent <laughs> advice. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening today. Join us next time for an episode about having gratitude and appreciation for your spouse. If you can, we'd appreciate it if you could subscribe to this podcast or like us on social media, share our stuff around. That helps so much. Sarah, where can people find you? My blog is tojesussincerely.com and I'm on Facebook and Instagram at tojesussincerely. And you can find me at chastelove.org or at the Chaste Love on social media. Now, toddlers are crazy and they want to run around. But know this, the quickest way to get a toddler to actually hold your hands, put them in roller skates. And remember, you're never alone. <laughs> <laughs>